This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi there. Welcome again to season three of What I Did Next from ANT Media. I'm Malak Fuad, your host. What I Did Next focuses on people's personal and professional crossroads and looks at those moments from key pivot points. My guests are multilingual, multicultural, and they're either from the Middle East or are connected to the region in some way. My guests cut across industries, but the one common thread is that they're curious and passionate about the world around them, and they hope to leave their mark in some way. In the hot seat today is Nadine Canso, the ultra-chic and super-creative jewelry designer, photographer, purveyor of beautiful things, and all-around influencer. Nadine is the powerhouse behind the jewelry brand Belarabi. She's one of a growing number of people approaching the creative arts from a fiercely Middle Eastern perspective. Where she's from imbues all she does and is at the core of her inspiration. A proud daughter of Lebanon, Nadine grew up in an intensely political household like many who came of age during the country's traumatic civil war. Her father, a politician, was an Arab nationalist and Nadine embodies these ideas and consciously leverages these values through her creative output, whether it's via graphic design, photography or jewelry making. Nadine has taken the concept of what it means to be an Arab and translated it using her camera lens, calligraphy, or by molding gold into strong, bold letters to form her signature brand. Over the years, Nadine has become a leader and style icon in her adoptive home of Dubai and across the region. She has a strong social media following that transcends Belarabi, and she's agenda setting for what it means to be stylish and on trend. She picks and chooses what accentuates her inherent fashion sense and uses it as a means of creative expression. This is evident in her design work, her personal aesthetic, as well as through the interior design of her home. During our conversation, Nadine talked about her key pivot points, and we see that there was no linear path that got her where she is today. Timing, luck, and knowing when to grab opportunities form the backdrop of her story. We start our discussion today with our icebreaker questions. The first question is based on the Malcolm Gladwell book, The Tipping Point. I asked Nadine what personality type from the book she most associates with, a connector, a salesman, or a maven. I mean, I might, some people say I might be charismatic, but definitely I'm not a salesperson. Uh, I definitely like to connect people together. I do have a large network, and I usually um, don't ask anything in return for that. So uh, I love people. I've lived in a household that uh, was open to a lot of people coming in with favors and, and all of that. And we never asked anything back. So I I think I grew up in that kind of a mentality and it kind of stayed with me. Obviously, I also have the character for that because even if you do that while you're young, 
that doesn't mean that you're you're like this when you grow up. Uh, you might turn out to be actually the opposite. There's a generosity of spirit for people who are connectors, I feel, that they just love to bring people together. I think that it's a blessing in, in, in so many ways. And do you find that your husband is like that as well? Or is no. it just you? <laughs> just you? No, quite the opposite. He's not. He's a very calm person. He likes people a lot, but he's not like me. I mean, um, I would, if you want to say social butterfly, mm-hmm. that would be me. I think it works, though, it not it? It when does, actually. You have actually. one like this and one like that. You have to have yeah, that kind yeah. of balance to, to ground you a little and just, like, put some sense into you. Mm-hmm. I'm, like, more the romantic type, more the dreamy type, uh, the artistic type, mm-hmm. and he's more like, okay, one, two, three. Good. It's important to have that. He keeps you real, though. He shows me the other side of things. It's like, be careful, this might, you know, not turn out to mm-hmm. be the, the right thing, especially when it comes to work, because he's good at what he does and he's a business person. I'm a creative, so uh, I learned so many things uh, along the way, mm-hmm. and he was helping me in, in that a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk quickly about the second question, the second main question, which is, um, are you team Twitter or are you team, in- team Instagram? I guess I'm team Instagram because, um, because of my business, probably, and because of the most of the interaction that I get on it, and people like to see people. And if I look at my feed from a few years back till today, it used to be more about everything. And now it's more about me, which I find that a bit annoying. And <laughs> uh, is that your personal account or your work account? That's my personal account. Okay. Obviously, my work account is always work account. Of course. Uh, it's more about the products. And uh, so, yeah, definitely Instagram. And and so you said it's now more about you. Yeah, now. I think it's uh, the trend of social media. Yeah, People want to see people. People want to see what you're doing. They're intrigued by who you are and what you do. I find this good, but at the same time, in my personal opinion, it's a bit invasive. So you really need to manage and balance what you show on social media and what you don't show. And a lot of people show so many things that we don't really need to see. It's not. There's no kind of privacy any longer. And that doesn't, I don't like that. Sometimes I feel, I don't want to say stupid, but vain mm-hmm. or, you know, just like showing myself wearing whatever and all of that. But I know that people like that. So definitely it brings the, if you want, the traffic, the numbers, uh, the the actually interaction and all of that to keep that link to my business eventually. So trying to balance mm. all of that. So you understand the connection between what I, you're I, doing I and do. how it impacts I, the business. I do. Yeah, yeah. If you were to only choose five people to follow on Instagram or five accounts, who would you pick? I would try to make a mix. Definitely, um, I would say BBC, just to, to have a bit of news, whether it's uh, whatever this is right or wrong, but at least The Economist. Uh, I would... Um, follow few artists that I like, um, but also designers. So Khalid Shafar, Nada Dibis, these are also favorites from, from the region. I would follow, if we're talking about um, Ion uh, Palestine, because of what's happening there, I think we need to be also very connected because somehow we tend to forget. And um, we, I, I, I'm a person who do not, I don't want to forget. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about your childhood, uh, your parents, your father, his work. Uh, I know that you were very influenced or you still are very influenced by his politics. 
but I'm I'm interested in the fact that you identify so strongly with Pan-Arabism as your guiding light almost. And it's it's fed into your work, it's fed into your aesthetic, it's fed into your uh, your outlook on life. And I know it comes from your childhood. So just Absolutely. give me a little bit of a background on that. So basically, during the war, uh, my dad uh, obviously was working in politics and um, our house, as I said before, was open to a lot of people. It was civil war in Lebanon. A lot of people would come into the house asking for favors, asking for you know protection, asking for whatever it is. Um, and living in that, uh, I was like pretty young with my brother. We kind of, it was it's definitely scarred us in in so many ways. The the war and scarred a lot of people who lost a lot of you know their families, friends, and you know went through hell <laughs> and mm. back. Obviously, this is carried throughout our lives. We try to hide it and then it pops somewhere somehow and you have insecurities because of it. You have uh, fears uh, of the future, of instability, all of that. But when it comes to uh, the household I grew up in, we were very much of an Arab nationalist. Uh, for, uh, for my dad, we are Arabs before anything else. No religion, no sector. Uh, you're, you're not uh, uh, allowed to talk about your... Uh, which sector you're you're from, we never kind of knew. We he never wanted to hear about it because it never happened in the house. So basically, it was all about being an Arab, being a proud Arab, and carrying that uh, that flag. And was it because he was raised like that? When he was young, uh, he he was not really for it because at that time Arab nationalism was very uh, much at its peak, and. Uh, People like Michelle Afla at the time uh, spread that it had to be one Arab nation because we'll be stronger in that. Our identity is relatively uh, uh, the same. Our culture is the same. Our language is the same. We are all one Arab nation. And this gives us strength. And we need to be smart about it to move forward. The ideas were great, obviously, at the time. Coming down years later, mm-hmm. it uh, everything went uh, uh, south, mm-hmm. and people, uh, people, and it's, you still have a lot of people who believe in that, yeah. and not just Lebanon. In a lot of no, countries. no, of course, yeah. uh, uh, the whole Arab world at one point mm-hmm. was after what, whether Abdel Nasser or whether you're with him, or without we're not going into again uh, politics, but the whole general idea, you were proud to be that, mm-hmm. and you were proud of your uh, identity. So for me, that kind of was nothing to argue about. And I'm up till today, I'm very proud of that. And I'm, I feel it's really like very close to my heart. Mm-hmm. So when I started my brand, Bil Arabi, or even when I worked on my photography, it was all about that at the beginning. Obviously, Bil Arabi is still about that. It's a statement of our language, our culture, our heritage, because I felt at one point, especially around 9-11, that... Uh, this kind of identity was stolen. If we look at history and and politics throughout the last 40, 50 years, you can you can see if I mean, you're a journalist, mm-hmm. you can see the you know, you know the whatever from everywhere from around the world coming into this part of the region and and messing with it. Messing. Okay, the word the word would be messing with yeah. it. Not to go again into yeah. details. So you can feel that your identity is at one point 
is going to be like at you know at a tipping point yes like, or diluted or or, or very yeah, much yeah, so yeah because a lot of people after 9-11 didn't want to name their kids arabic names because they felt they're going to mm-hmm. be which is this is what actually happened mm, of course. you would go into into the states with with a canadian i'm uh, i've lived in canada so i have the canadian passport yeah. you would go there and they would look where you were born i'm born in beirut and then it's like questions and questions and even if you had the the Canadian passport and you can feel mm-hmm. the attitude and you can feel uh which is unfortunately yeah. I'm a designer um, fortunately I'm a designer but uh, uh I'm a designer I'm an artist I have no agenda no politics no nothing how do you feel that today this concept of pan-arabism does it have a place in the middle east now Do you feel that with the spring Arab Spring revolutions that things became much more localized that things become much more insular each country with their own problems definitely looking at their own solutions definitely I mean the 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 mess or the chaos that uh, that kind of uh, uh, since uh, the Arab Spring um, it's like a you know it's like a snowball and things were went really uh, mm. bad thinking we were at uh, in the right With the right uh, direction <laughs> direction yes, because a lot of people wanted that but again i'm sure as a journalist you could see what this was bringing because you didn't have um it was still too early for an arab spring when it happened this is my own mm-hmm. personal opinion i think uh, we needed to have the right people to actually come in place and make that change there were no characters Absolutely. or charismatic Absolutely. characters and there was no civil society there was no baseline Absolutely. From which these people could rise. Absolutely. So it uh, it again went. Let's say if we talk about Egypt, mm. you had the 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 brother uh, the brotherhood. So, yeah. so are you doing? It? How 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 did Absolutely. this happen? Absolutely. So basically, you're coming with the Arab Spring for something more uh, democratic, more open, more liberal, more mm. whatever you want to mm. call it, and then you, you get <laughs> you know the lechwan. Uh, yeah. So like, yeah. Uh, yeah. This is un uh, you know. Again, we don't want to go into all, yeah, all the details, yeah. but for me, that was not an Arab Spring. Let's talk a little bit about your More design. <laughs> yeah, your your education, though. I, let's go back to that first because I know you did uh, fine. Oh, was it fine arts? That I you did, did advertising design. Okay, uh, where did you do that? BUC at the time. I see. So now it's LAU. Yeah. I did a major in communication arts, mm-hmm. radio, TV, and film. Did you ever work in an office? Did you ever work for an advertising agency? Did you uh, see I, that? Actually, I did uh, um, my internships in a printing house, and then I did an internship actually in a, an advertising mm-hmm. uh, advertising agency. And then when I graduated, I had uh, a small. Uh, Uh, it it was called Ashkal at the time, long time back. <laughs> I'm not gonna say how <laughs> how long. So uh, I had that, and uh, it was like a freelance kind of an agency. Then I got married and uh, went to uh, Montreal. So you didn't have much time to work before you got married. Actually, even in Beirut, for a couple of years, I worked mm. a lot of like at the time. It was like logos and you know yeah. more of design. Uh, products and yes. stuff. not product as product but graphic design graphic design yes. for a bottle of whatever and the shampoo sure. and you know what but this was with an agency or it My, is your own both i see it's very it's a lot of fun that kind of work yeah it used to be different yeah. there were uh, yeah, yeah. at the time it was like when the, when apple when mac came into play and 
we were at the time still drawing everything yes, by yes. hand with like ink and yeah. rotring and I had a huge table at But that's uh, at wonderful home. because you bridged the ga- the the divide I'm between not sure. the old <laughs> the old analog way I, I'm not sure <laughs> But which did which do you prefer I still prefer drawing really uh, using pen pencil I prefer to read a book uh, a paperwork yeah. I'm, when you're designing uh, jewelry now, do you do it paper and pencil? Pa- paper and you pencil, do. and then I send it to someone, and then they do the drawing uh, on the computer. Yeah. Okay, so Montreal, you, you had your family in Montreal. Obviously, because I landed there, I couldn't work, because you have something called the Canadian Experience. So I worked as a part-time in a small uh, shop where it used to sell uh, house uh, products, like mm-hmm. uh, things from India, uh, beautiful uh, pieces. And then from that, I went and did... Um, one of my paperwork was in place. I went and worked in uh, Ogilvy, which is a store yeah. for a brand called Mondi at the time. It's a German brand and uh, it was fashion. So I was a salesperson. I was on the ground, did very long hours in high heels. <laughs> but that's a wonderful experience because it amazing, teaches you the amazing. other side of a business. So a lot of people, when they see me today, they think, you know, you know it's like, yeah, I came from either a lot of money or a lot of uh, whatever. Like, no, um, we, I got married with Aziz and uh, we really made it on our mm-hmm. own. Uh, and sometimes I for, even forget to say that to my kids. And sometimes we have to actually sit with them and says like listen guys <laughs> you know for a long time we were sharing a car yeah. for a long time i was taking uh, the metro for yeah. a long time you know because now living in dubai and alhamdulillah uh, we've done so well for ourselves my husband and i and we reach a lot of like uh, good places uh, that we sometimes you forget to tell these things and to tell the story and they wake up and think that this is what uh, absolutely uh, okay i drive a nice car and this is like no I did you this when I was like 40 yeah. something. No, and you earned it. Exactly. You did it on your own. And I think our children don't realize that until they start on their own. Exactly, you know? exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how long were you in Montreal for all in all? Uh, around three and a half years. And from there, we moved to uh, Prague. You said your husband is half uh, Czech? My hu- husband is half Czech. His mom is uh, Czech. Wonderful. And he was born in Prague. How interesting. Uh, and That's a nice... Dad, uh, Dynamic. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, yeah, he is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure. And so you moved then there. I moved there. I stayed there around three years. And that's a very creative city from what I understand. Yeah, but it was not for me. Actually. Was it before? when? It was just on the verge. Uh, yeah, actually, it was the first year or second year of the transformation. I see. So it was, it was still raw. It was, it was still, still raw. Yeah. People didn't speak uh, uh, English or any other language. It was, um, you know, either Czech or nothing because mm of the Russians and they don't want to speak any Russian at mm, the time course, but yeah. it's a beautiful city definitely mm, a beautiful city mm. but again um, I'm a you know as people we said person. yeah exactly so that for me is like not talking being able to talk to people and engaging with them because I would say like in Montreal I would go down and if you say to anyone hello they answer you back yeah. and then if you're in the store somebody tells you where are you from and, uh, and they they accept you the way you are and, and they want to know where you're from what's your culture mm-hmm. it's a very kind yeah. of a but if you don't speak a language you can't communicate and this is True. the bottom line you know I started to study uh, Czech but it, it's hard I think it, one it's hard yeah. second one I didn't see that interaction yeah. I was like you know what <laughs> no 
you know. I'm not going to bother. No, I'm not going to bother. It's just like life is uh, yeah, hard yeah, as it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. Let me just Absolutely. like. Absolutely. Yeah. And at this point, you'd had your two sons. Yes. And then, so those first early years with the children, you were mainly a full-time mother. You were, uh, yeah, because yeah. you didn't have much help yeah. in, in Prague until I found somebody to come and help. Uh, so I was very much hands-on. But tell me how being someone who's creative and wants to, you and know, create not, new not things being able and to not be being able to, what is that like to be holding it in? Actually, um, I made kind of like... Um, uh peace with with it it's like okay i have few years let me get this uh in place it's 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 useless to be to be uh you know going you know crazy about it and going nervous about it and you have enough on your hands to actually handle mm, the, the mm, kids mm, mm, to say like you know what i want to work i want to yeah. it's like so you knew that there was a time and a place yeah, somehow. And yeah. I think I, I think we, we accept things at certain times and we try to be uh, logical about them. Do you think that's because we're women? Definitely. I don't think a man women. would have to accept this or that. I mean, I don't want to be too uh, uh, harsh yeah. on that because I see, especially in Prague, I used to see a lot of like uh, guys who handled kids and their wives were working. So I think it depends on the family. It depends yes. on your situation. The world has changed a lot in that direction. Mm -hmm. And and. People are trying to be as much as they can. That's right. Uh, accepting of a lot of things, being flexible with a lot of things. Yeah. How old are your children now? 24 and 22 and a half. And so they finished university. They're, they're pretty much still in, in there. In that process. Yeah. <laughs> no, because yeah. Amir is doing his master's uh -huh. and he's in uh, Madrid now. He's okay. working there uh, like an internship through through his uh, master's. Yes. Uh, he's, he's at doing, IE? He's doing a uh, master's in... Uh, business uh, soccer management how interesting out of uh, portugal wow my second uh, younger uh, uh, jasim is in uh, unh university of new hampshire next to boston mm -hmm. uh, and he's doing uh, he's a goalkeeper so he's also into sports and he loves it and he this is what he wants to do so he's taking his time and he's doing his thing good for him and how involved are you in sort of guiding them because my children are at that age. I have a 16-year-old and a 14-year-old. So the older one is now in the States with his father looking at schools, looking at universities. And we are trying to, you know, guide him and advise him. And at the end of the day, are we wasting our time? Or will they know what they want to do? Listen, you have to do what you have to yeah. do. And eventually... They, they find will, they it. will they will find yeah, uh, yeah, they will yeah. find a way it's never it's never like a black and white yeah that these years are quite like uh, a lot of give and take yeah. a lot of advice a lot of talk which i th have to say that aziz was very good at that mm, mm. uh when it, co it came to universities yeah. i was not really very involved um, yes. because i'm the creatives like do whatever you want uh, love what you do you'll succeed at it and if you love what you yeah. do in 2006, Nadine was invited to participate in Friday Night at the V&A, where she exhibited a series of photographs that changed the course of her creative life. We'll get into that after this short break. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott, or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch, find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back. I'm Malak Fuad and you're listening to What I Did Next. Today, I'm talking with Nadine Canso, the designer behind the Belarabi jewelry brand and overall creative dynamo. I think one of your major pivots, apart from a lot of the traveling and the moving around, is um, when you had, in 2006, you were invited to participate in an event at the VNA called the Friday Night at the VNA. Exactly. So I'll, uh, I'll, I'll go back to when I got engaged with the, uh, back in Beirut. And uh, at one point, I was sitting like, yeah, I would like to do a photography exhibition one time in, you know, at, uh, at, uh, at a time in my life. This is the way I want to go. And obviously, when I went to Montreal, I had to work. Uh, and I didn't have time for photography. I took courses and, and stuff like that. Um, then in Prague, I had the kids, so I was like uh, <laughs> not inspired at the time. When I came to Dubai, the kids, I had help here and the kids were a bit uh, older. So obviously I could have more time for myself and for my creativity. I was offered a few freelance jobs, which I did. I was what working- What sort of jobs? Uh, like free, uh, photography, ah, freelance. Photography. Like. And then after that, uh, a friend of mine, Ali Khadra, from uh, Canvas, uh, before he actually had Canvas, and it was around the uh, Iraq uh, war and all of that, he said, like, let's do an exhibition. Uh, you... This is a 2003 war? Exactly. Yeah. So let's do an exhibition and the sales would go to, to you know, uh, charity for Iraq and all of that. I said, yes, I'll do some paintings and I'm good at typography. I did a typography kind of painting. So sorry to cut you off, Nadine. Your work is blending photography with collage, exactly. with typography, with calligraphy. It's, exactly. it's not straight photography. No. It's, okay. uh, I have bodies of work yes. which are only purely photography. And I have works that are collage and photography, mm-hmm. which are mixed media. Yes. And they're one off usually. In 2006, Leila Mrui from NBC, I was working with her on uh, one of uh, the shows. She goes, I want you to uh, show some of your photography at the VNA in London, and, and it was like in a few months, like two, three months. It's like, Leila, uh, I love you, <laughs> but I don't have a body of yeah. work. I mean, uh, I do commercial it's stuff. It's very short uh, notice, yeah. Short notice. Yeah. She's like, I'm sure you can manage. <laughs> I said, like, challenge accepted. Yeah. And I'm the kind of person that's like, okay, you know what? Uh, let me try. I have a couple of months, two or three. If I can, I can. If I can, you know. I can't. Yeah. We'll see. You were excited by the the novelty of it, maybe, the the, the said, challenge. To be honest, I said this is an opportunity that I've been wanting to, to do for so long. So show your, yani, it was like... Do your best. Do your best. Yeah. I know, okay, Nadine, this got you here. So this is the time. If you don't take it, you never know when you're going to have that opportunity again. Try it. You know, Nadine, I find that very interesting because... You're obviously someone who is a risk taker, and maybe a little bit. A lot of people would have frozen at this point, I think, and and thought, oh, I don't have time. No, I can't. No, I can't. And then the moment would have gone. 
Yeah, no, I'm, but you I'm, didn't do that. No, I didn't do that yeah. because I knew th- that these moments don't come often. Uh, I think I've learned maybe because of the war, maybe because of whatever you want to, you know, that nothing comes twice. And and if you have an opportunity, you need to prove yourself and you need to work hard at it. So I did, and I said to myself, okay, I'm gonna go for it. And then one day I woke up with, you know, an inspiring theme and said, I know. When she told me the the, uh, the the title of this exhibition is Arabize Me, and it was the, you know, 2006 in Lebanon, and it was uh, the, the Israeli invasion and the whole the whole thing. I said, like, who are we today as Arabs? Who am I uh, as an Arab? So the the title was Mean Anna, and I was, it was like I was looking, and after 9-11, all of that, I was looking at who am I today? But did you really look in? Because you with the different experiences, of obviously your childhood, then Canada, then Prague, being a foreigner in another society like the West and Canada and, and Czechoslovakia, you see yourself more as an Arab. Definitely. Did it allow you to retrench who you are? It kind of did because you, we are the children of the world nowadays. Yes. But I think if you don't have a past or you don't have a history, and this is, you, I'm sure you've heard it so many mm. times, we don't have a future. Yeah. You need to actually embrace your identity. You need to be strong of who you are to be able to give that message to to your children, mm-hmm. to your, fine, we're accepting of a lot of things, of a lot of people, we're uh, human and we love everyone, but that doesn't, your identity should never be diluted. Mm-hmm. Some people might not agree with me, but I think it gives you a ground. It gives you a cert- a place to start from. You told me Prague should have been, uh, when you asked me if it was inspirational, as much as it was beautiful, I didn't find myself there. So for me, I would look at beautiful building, but it did not inspire me whatsoever. And a friend of mine said, like, how are you inspired by Dubai? At the time, 20 years ago, you didn't have all of that. How can you be inspired by a desert, whatever? It's like, you should be inspired by Beirut. I said, like, definitely Beirut is nostalgic, is inspiring. But I think inspiration comes from within. I agree. You have to, are you creative? Can you do that? Will you be able to give something? And there, it's a tipping point. And that exhibition was a tipping but point. But I think also your surroundings either bring them out or do not bring them out. And so clearly you were in the right place at the right time here at that stage of your life. Exactly. Whereas previously you were, you were in one of the most beautiful cities in the world and you felt nothing. Absolutely. So it's a a lot of it is timing, I feel. 100%. So tell me about the the actual work you produced for the VNA exhibition. What did you actually uh, um, exhibit? Photographs. So basically, uh, when she told me it's Arabize me, I said, like, you know what? 9-11, Arabize me, all of that, 2006. So it was like you've put your hand on actually uh, a sore point on something that hurts, something that's very close to my heart about identity as an Arab. Who am I today? As an Arab, who are we as an Arab today? So that was the idea. It started with being a question, who am I to, as an Arab, mean Anna? And it became, at the end of the day, who I am. So basically, it was more of an affirmation. You, uh, you answered your question. I answered my question by taking pictures of so many people around me in our society, whether it be a Palestinian artist, an Emirati uh, entrepreneur, uh, a Syrian entrepreneur, uh, a Saudi uh, pro- uh, producer, uh, 
Lebanese uh, entrepreneur, you know, different people, marketing, whatever. I took them, took a picture of them holding uh, words that I wrote in gold. And this is why I still do the calligraphy up till today in, in a gold paint saying, Hobby Arabi, Mustaqbali Arabi. Yani, my love is Arabic. My future is Arabic. My thinking is Arabic. Uh, you know, Ana Arabi. And that kind of translated into these pictures. So when I showed them in, in the, in the, at the VNA and came here, I showed them to IVDE gallery at the time. And she told me, Nadine, I want you on board. I want you to show these pictures. It's quite a strong message. Uh, we like the aesthetics of it. And I want to show your work at my gallery. So this is certainly a massive pivot point for you. Huge. Huge. I mean, that's that's uh, it, is that, that's, it is the pivot point. And it's like uh, and there will be another one for the brand uh, within the same year. Um, and this is where everything shifted. So everything became more creative. I became more creative. I, it's like I was unleashed. It's like a tap opened. Khalas, it's incredible. Just like, uh, well, you'd been waiting, hadn't you, for yeah, years? Yeah, and it, I was around 38, 39. Yeah. So it's not, uh, it's not young. But I think it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, there, I mean, it's an age or, you you know, you had so many experiences. You were, you were, you were, you were saving yeah, it. I was saving it. I had my kids. They were on their own now. Yeah, they could, you know, be mm. be uh, left uh, on their yeah. own. Yani, I wouldn't want to change anything. If you would ask me, what mm -hmm. would you change? Mm -hmm. Looking back at it, it's fine. Maybe I would have started a few years earlier. Maybe for my business, I would, um, let's say, I wouldn't change a lot, but I would have done different step when it came to uh, having people invest in it mm -hmm. to make it a bigger brand. Mm -hmm. Stuff like that. Yeah. But that's not but a, that's not a that, big deal. That's not a big deal. No, no. The photography was was and is a major part of your creative output. How did the brand follow from the photography though? Because in my mind they're very separate entities. Yeah, but with the same person that produces yes, of course, both. Of course. So it's the same DNA. It's the same DNA, yeah. So when I did the Min Anna, um, People loved it. Obviously, we had good sales and everybody was like uh, excited about it. Um, and I found <laughs> a part of myself there. And then I said to myself, OK, um, not everybody is going to buy a uh, photography, an artwork to put them you know, to put it in their houses. So how can I spread the message on a um, larger scale, more accessible, more accessible to people. What would be that thing that you would want to buy from me or you want to own, not mm -hmm. buy as mm -hmm. big, uh, for like money purposes? What is it something that you want to own, actually, to give you that kind of statement that I want you to feel proud of? I said to myself, you know what? Why don't we wear our letters in Arabic? We, na we wear sometimes our nails, so it's like the suit kind of mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. How can I elevate that? How can I actually make people proud being, you know, Arabs and wearing their own letters? I said, I'm going to do my first drink with the letter Noon for Nadine. Mm. And it was quite actually big. Mm -hmm. So you can't miss it. Yeah. So when you look at my hands, you're going to see it. Yeah, it's a statement. hundred percent. Yeah. And I had people say, it's quite big. I said, Exactly. Mm. This is how I want it. It has to be big. You have to see that I'm wearing my letter in Arabic. This is my identity. Mm -hmm. This is my uh, this is who I am. And you're going to see it. Mm -hmm. So from that, I had uh, Zayan Gandur who has sauce store. Uh, tell me, Nadine, 
I want a ring. I had Rasha Shaat, a friend of mine from uh, uh, who's Palestinian Saudi. I want you to do my my letter. So it started with customization at the beginning. Yeah. yeah. And Zayan had her store, and when yeah. she saw that, she's like Nadine, you have to bring me mm-hmm. these rings to them. So I said, okay, I'm gonna do a few, five, six, because I didn't have. Uh, um, I didn't allocate money for it. Yes. It was just like, okay, let me do these. And I sell, and from what I sell, I'll put <laughs> back in. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and, and this is how the kind of, a, yeah. the ball kind of rolled. And and so that's now your main focus, is the this jewelry is business, Bel Arabi. Exactly. And is photography still in the mix there somewhere with you? I haven't done a work of photography in, in a while. I was working uh, uh, with Quadro Gallery, who shut down uh, during COVID. And... Um, it's been like a couple of years and before that my last exhibition would have been three and a half four years ago and now i'm in the talks uh with the uh, with a friend of mine who also has a gallery uh lori shibibi i'm looking into doing my uh, next show with them during COVID, obviously with the lockdown i said to myself okay it's good time to read let me work on my photography i don't want to sit there and just like look at the sky you know, it's good the first week, two weeks. Absolutely, and then no. after that, yeah. I'm a very energetic, energetic uh, person. I'd like to go out. I do things hundred one thing uh, in the day. Maybe not as much lately, <laughs> <laughs> but I cannot just like yeah. sit down and do nothing. So, so you're working pen. on new new material. So it's I would say seventy five percent done. And now that I spoke with uh, Lori Shabibi and uh, kind of a scoop now. I want to come when <laughs> it's done. <laughs> I will. I will definitely invite yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. The jewelry brand now. Yeah, you have, you, you're mainly online and then you're also in d- various outlets in Dubai. Is that right? Yeah, we are with uh, Bloomingdale's. We're online with Unas. We have our online uh, website. We do a lot of customization, so a lot of WhatsApp uh, uh, orders. Mm-hmm. People come to our office in D3. We are with uh, that store, mm-hmm. uh, concept store in Mall of the Emirates, which is, I would say, probably is at this point our anchor. And it's still only Arabic letters? Still. And are you planning on leaving it that way? Or are you planning on moving into the... Western alphabet. Well, because uh, I'm sure there'll be a lot of demand for that as well. There is already demand yeah. for that. I'm looking into it. Yeah. Uh, um, but your mind thinks in the other, in terms of the Arabic. No, actually, method. when when I say I love typography, when I did that uh, back in university, it was actually uh, typography and. and uh, in English typography, yes. not yeah. in Arabic yeah. typography. Although I worked on my uh, font uh, that you see that uh, pl- one that I have beautiful calligraphy, obviously, and this is why it uh, I do a lot of like customization with names mm-hmm. and, and my own mm-hmm. uh, handwriting. But also when it comes to the letter, we have a couple of letters that I actually created the font, which is uh, which makes typography something that I really mm-hmm. like and love. So I like to put the letters in, in a way together. And this is something, you know, when you do these long uh, letters, you need to have an eye for it. You yeah. need to see how the letters Absolutely. would fall and sit together. Or combining. Exactly. Well. So yeah. when I did these long tattoo-like letters on your fingers, I don't think, uh, yeah, I mean, no, no one had done that before mm-hmm. in terms of mm-hmm. these long uh, yeah. rings. And you have to know how to actually do that kind of a... And you've said, obviously, because you're, you, you have a creative mindset, that it's almost as though the product itself doesn't matter. It's the energy you're putting into or you're channeling. 
So I know that you're you're very into interiors as well. And your home is yeah, very much yeah. a, a sort of a calling card for you. And you were featured recently in Architectural Digest Middle East. Do you see yourself potentially, and it's wonderful, the photographs are fantastic. I saw it, it's beautiful. Very much the, the, the way I love all the bright colors and it the mixing of fabrics <laughs> and textures. It's really fun. Um, do you see yourself potentially doing a, an interior line? I mean, I would love to do that if I had the time or I had the right people working with me for that. But that takes a lot of energy. Maybe in the future, um, if I have the right. You could collaborate perhaps with a... We do. I yeah. do actually, I do collaborate. I collaborated with uh, Fadi Sariyuddin on uh, three or four pieces of furniture, like a big mirror, to, like one, one stool, one hand mirror and all of that which was great. And we received a lot of like, uh, you know, a lot of people loved it. Mm -hmm. A lot of people said, like, oh my God, you should go into that. I've also worked with Iwan Maktabi on a couple of carpets, which are beautiful. And uh, not because I've done them, but also the production, the way uh, Iwan Maktabi, you know, executed the work is, is uh, great. So there is potential, there is way. Uh, it's only to find time and, and energy for, mm. <laughs> for what would be next for you? What would be next for me? I'm not a planner. Uh, we've discussed that a bit over mm -hmm. the phone. I don't like to plan a lot because I think, uh, you know, maktub maktub. You know, obviously you do an effort to do to when you get something to like these points of like creating the brand or the photography. I was at a point where it's like either you take it or you don't. And if you take it, it opens for your doors and you go your journey. So now you'd have to see if this is going to come my way or not. Obviously, I need to, if I really, really want it, I will have to uh, manifest it as mm. this is the word that... That's uh, a new uh, word of the moment. Exactly. So <laughs> maybe that will happen. So we'll, I'll have to see. I'll have to see. It's, but you still have things to say. I have a lot to say and I still have a lot to do. Uh, I hope God gives me life to, to be able to do that. Um, but I like to do things slowly. I'm not the kind of person like, uh, you know, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> you know, I'm not, uh, I don't want to say hungry. Obviously, you're hungry for, for um, doing things beautifully. You're hungry for things that, uh, that you want to obviously achieve. But I don't like to, to, I'm not hungry for fame. I'm not hungry for money. I'm not hungry for, for these things. And I hope uh, I will always be. And this is, you know, sometimes you are who you are and you do what you do, but you don't realize uh, who you are. And when somebody comes your way and say, Nadine, you, unbelievable how humble you are. And and this this is hard to, uh, yeah, yeah. it warms my heart. Of course. Because you don't know it about yourself. Yeah. Well, you've also stayed true to yourself. You and do, that's an you, important you, uh, you do, thing. but a lot of people think they are, and <laughs> obviously they're they're not. <laughs> they're you can't not. even talk to them yeah. on on the street because they think they're something like, oh my god, yeah. you know, because they have x amount of followers. Like, yeah. chill, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're all going down We're there. We're going the same way. The same way. You're not leaving anything, but you're good. Actually, yeah. يعني, uh, that's the only thing you're going to yeah. leave behind. Nadine, this was wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed this very much. Thank you so much. I have to say it. Uh, when I do interviews, not a lot of people actually dig slightly deeper 
into uh you know into, i'm interested in knowing people's motivations yeah but not know? not a lot of people do that yeah. people want to know what you want to do next only or what do you get your inspiration yeah. from like, or the surface <laughs> just the surface come on you know yeah. i've been doing this for 16 years yeah. plus don't you want to know where I come from, how I think, what I do? Mm. And I'm sure if we sit here another hour, we can Absolutely. even like... Absolutely. Uh, There's always things to talk about. 100%. Yeah. Thank you for listening today. This episode of What I Did Next was brought to you by ANT Media with me, Malak Fuad, and is co-produced by Shirag Desai. Please remember to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and on Twitter for updates on the show. Just search for What I Did Next. You can help our show to grow by leaving us a positive review in your favorite podcast player. Our next episode will be in two weeks' time, and we hope you can join us then.